Hey world, we are Citywide Church, creating the largest soul-saving effort ever seen right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. We would love to know how our ministry has touched your life. So if you have a couple of minutes, please send us an email at amen at citywidechurch.us. Also, if you would like more information about us or about how to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. Thank you again for listening, and as always, be encouraged and stay blessed. But um, there is a point in everyone's life where we need peace. And let me tell you something. A lot of people tend to discount sermons and stuff that they don't currently need. But unless you put some of this stuff in your back pocket when you do need it, you're not going to have it. Because I promise you there will come a time when your life will fall to pieces. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Because that's just the nature of life. People die. People get sick, accidents happen, hardship comes, trials arise, storms rage. It's just the nature of the life we choose when we choose to follow God. And Jesus said, don't think it uncommon when you suffer all types of things for my name's sake. Nowadays, Christians suffer and we're just like, I just, I just don't get why. It's probably because you haven't read the Bible much. But I want to talk to you today continuing in this theme of finding peace in the pieces on a a really simple sermon that I've entitled, A Peace Like No Other. A peace like no other. Jesus gives us a peace like no other in this world. We started this off talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who had her life's plan set up. She had a perfect little plan to be married and do all this stuff, and then God was like, no, get pregnant instead. Not the best kind of way to start your marriage. And then Joseph has to deal with the fact that his wife-to-be is pregnant. And both their lives, in essence, because of God's plan, are in pieces. And sometimes your life is in pieces because God allows it. And sometimes your life is in pieces because you have done things that don't honor God. But from both of them, God gets glory. God gets glory. Amen. It's one of those things where you have to trace back the hardships you're enduring to the steps that you've taken and to the things that you have done. And if God didn't do it, don't blame God. Can I give you some examples if you don't mind? Young young men, fathers, if you're struggling with child support, you could trace that back to a sin you had when you were having, you know, before marriage. And the current hardship you face is not because God is testing you in your finances. It's because you've made some decisions in the past. Are you with me? Don't be upset because of your current circumstances when you have made past mistakes that have gotten you there. Don't conclude that that is God doing something to you to test you and stretch you. Understand that there's some things in your life that you have had a hand in doing. And I wish the church would be honest today. There's some things in your life that you've done. But then there's those other things that God is really moving through this set of circumstances and you could not imagine God moving through this. And you're just like, man, I don't, I never would have thought that God would have used that to bring me to a new place of understanding with him. 
And I believe that God often uses our trials and tribulations because Romans 8.28, it says clearly, and for we know that all things work together for the good of those that love him according to the power that worketh within them. That God will take and hijack any circumstance the enemy has thrown at you and any trap he has used and God will use it for his glory and for his goodness and for his mercy in your life. And every single person in this place is in need of God's peace. Whether now, whether in the future, whether, whether it's going to come tomorrow or you need it right now, every one of us has a point in our lives, church, where we need peace. Look to somebody next to you telling you need God's peace. But what does it look like when God's peace is present in our lives? Like, what does that, like, really look like? Like, how do I know that there's peace in my life? Because a lot of people know Jesus, you love Jesus, you serve God, but you still don't have peace. And so sometimes it might sound like we're preaching something that's unattainable. But how do I know that Jesus gives me peace in the midst of circumstances? When my heart is broken, when, the, when things are at their darkest, how do I know that God really is there? And it's because of the promise of Jesus Christ in John chapter 14, verse 27. In John 14, 27, Jesus echoes some very powerful words, and he says this, peace I leave with you. Listen to the language Jesus is using. Peace I leave with you. I, you're going to have this. You're going to take this. I'm leaving this with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Give, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The key word in that latter part, and the latter portion being let. There's an allowance. He says, let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Jesus says it again. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Come on, bow your heads. Father, we come before you just asking for understanding of your word, trusting and believing, God, that you're going to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds and to our church. We love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship. We thank you for our worship team, God, who always goes before us, God, and leads the way in such a powerful anointing, God. But now open our spiritual ears, God. Open our ears, God, that they may hear you in this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, this particular passage of Scripture uh, in the book of John, John is personally my favorite gospel. I, I, I just like the way he writes. has a deeper theology than most of the other gospels because John lived the longest and he wrote this gospel 60 years probably after Jesus had died where the other ones were written maybe 30 years after he had passed away and resurrected. And so John had an ever-increasing revelation and understanding of Jesus Christ. John had probably the best theology out of all of the apostles. And so John writes in ways that, that others didn't write because he has a better understanding of God. As a matter of fact, during the time of the Last Supper, the Bible describes John as a disciple that Jesus loved. When Jesus is on the cross, he gives Mary, his mother, to the care of John because he had a special place in his heart for John. And so I said all that so you can know that John really knows Jesus. 
He like has a great relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, when he wrote the book of Revelations, it was because if you read the beginning of the book, it's not a revelation of the end times. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you read it as just a doomsday prophecy, you will understand that they're speaking about Jesus throughout the entire book and his triumphant victory over death itself. And so John knows Jesus, and he's talking in these verses. And so in these chapters 14 or 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, they're among my favorite chapters because in the whole Bible because he talks about this discourse during this time, his entire discourse is pertaining to the fact that Jesus is about to go to the cross. Jesus is about to endure really tough things. And Jesus is having a really, somebody say heavy, conversation with the disciples this evening in particular. And, and, and among the things at the dinner table they're talking about is, you're all going to betray me. Awkward. I'm going to die. Have you ever sat around the table? Like sometimes I fool around with Pastor John. We were at a funeral recently. I said, John, when I go, make sure that everybody is sad at my funeral. I don't want not one happy person. Y'all better be crying. Don't play no upbeat music, nothing. I want tears, floods. And John's just sitting there, I don't play like that. Why you going to do that? I don't like that. That was pretty good, right? That's my boy. And I like doing it just to mess with people. Like, you know, when I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record my own sermon so I can preach my own funeral. Y'all going to sit there and listen to me. Gotcha. Like, you're a bunch of sinners on this planet. And like, it's just kind of, it's a somber atmosphere when somebody starts talking about when they're going to die. You know what I'm saying? Imagine now Jesus spent three years with his disciples, lived with them, broke bread with them. They spent three years constantly with Jesus, and now he's talking about he's going to die. And then after that, he says, and then I'm going to go away. Well, if you're dead, how are you going to go away? These guys are really confused, and one of you among you are a devil. Like, there's a lot of tough stuff happening in this conversation. And it's no wonder that Jesus after telling his disciples that everything that they've worked for, for the kingdom, see, they thought that Jesus was bringing a physical kingdom where he would overthrow the Roman government and Israel would be a free nation. They didn't understand yet that Jesus was bringing a spiritual freedom and salvation into eternal life. They didn't fully grasp it yet. And so by hearing Jesus say all these things, they're kind of thinking like, well, these last three years, we thought that we were going to be like governors and princes and you were going to overthrow the government and all this stuff. And you were, now they're kind of just really confused. And it's kind of no wonder that at this moment, Jesus says, hey, guys, don't worry, I'm going to give you peace. And it's not like the world gives you peace. I'm going to give you peace that I'll leave with you. See, back in those days when you would see somebody, you would say, peace be with you. When you left somebody, you would say, peace be with you. And, and Jesus is saying, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. Not like the, somebody say world, but I'm going to give you a new and real peace. In this moment, trust me, they would need peace. And I promise you that every person in this room, at some point, you're going to have a desperate need for the peace of God. 
These men that Jesus is talking to are probably confused and dismayed. They're probably really like, I just don't understand what's happening right now. What do you mean you have to die and go away? Peter asked Jesus, where are you going? And he's like, you can't follow me. He's just like, I'll go anywhere with you, even to death. And he's like, you're going to deny me. And so all this confusion... The other thing to notice is that Jesus gives us peace, not like the world gives us peace. So Jesus leaves us peace, and then Jesus gives us peace. And Jesus is talking in a very kind of like a two-sided way here. Because the first peace that Jesus is talking about that he's going to give to his disciples is a peace they've never, ever had before, which is a peace with God. And it's a peace from sinful living. Because before Jesus, we were all sinners, which means we were enemies of God. And so Jesus comes and he says, when I die and when I go to the Father and when I send you the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you a peace you have never had. Not like the world gives you peace. I'm going to give you a peace like you have never had before. And that is peace with my Father. Peace from sinful living. You see, because there's there's issues in your life if you've not given yourself to Jesus wholly that you can't do anything about. You can't drink your sin away. You can't party your sin away. You can't read enough self-help books to make your sin disappear. Hear me, church. You can't do anything. You can't have enough good works to make sinfulness not be a part until you receive Jesus and then sin comes apart from you. It's when you accept Jesus, he gives you this peace between God. So is why Romans 5.1 says that when we were reconciled with God, with Christ, we received peace. And the world will substitute everything for God's peace. It will substitute entertainment for God's peace. It will substitute everything you can think of for God's peace. But in the end, there is a heart cry from your inner soul that desires to be reconciled to the Father. It's the reason you keep on coming but you haven't changed because something inside of you is still crying out for God to change you even though you yourself won't allow you in your flesh to change. There's a heart cry. That's why you keep coming back to church when you haven't changed because there is an inner drawing of the Spirit of God connected to your soul. And it's why we keep coming back to the well desiring to drink of it. You sure you can drown away your earthly problems with earthly issues and earthly solutions. You see, the world can medicate your anxiety and prescribe you stuff for depression, but it can do nothing to solve the issue of sin in your life. Nothing. And so Jesus says, well, I, I got it. I got it. I'll, I'll give you peace with God through the shedding of my blood, my sacrifice. I pay the price for you. Now you're not indebted to God. I will do this for you. And then all you have to do is accept me as your Savior as your Lord, and every time my Father looks at you, he sees me. That's peace with God. You see, if every time I looked at you, I saw my daughter, you'd be in good shape. You crash my car, and I look at you, and all I see is my daughter, you're going to be okay. And every time God looks at you, he sees his son, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay, because you now have peace with God. 
And then Jesus, on the other hand, he says, you know, not like the world gives peace. In the time of Jesus, saying peace to somebody as they came and went was very normal. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, and it's a greeting and saying, peace be with you. But Jesus wasn't just greeting you. He was giving you a peace that would impact your life. So is why he says, my peace I leave with you. It's not a peace that I'm going to take back or retract. I'm leaving this peace with you. And here's, here's my first point, and you should be taking notes if you're a part of our church. Here, here's my first point, and, and it's really simple. It says Jesus gives peace so we can live in peace. Because it's God's desire that you would live in peace with God, that you would live as a new creation, that you would live in a changed, transformed nature than what you are currently living in. It was never God's desire or Jesus' design for you to come to know him and never change. He wanted to give you peace from the things in your past that torment you, from the things in your past that tempt you, from the sins that so easily beset you. He wanted to give you, somebody say, a freedom from it. And in Christ, we are reconciled with God, free from the power of sin, forgiven by Jesus. He gives us peace so profound that it leads to eternal life with the Father, eternal enjoyment with our Father in heaven. That's the peace, the starting point of peace that Jesus gives. My peace, I leave with you. Well, why, why is that so important? Pastor, like, why, how is that going to help me right now? Because what it means is that whatever this life has to throw at us or has to offer us, it doesn't really matter in comparison to the life that awaits us. And the reason you couldn't say amen is because that might be too big for you to grasp and understand. What it means is that my car may be totaled, my house may burn down, I may be homeless, not have had renter's insurance, I may have had all these problems, everybody in my family may pass away, but one thing I know is that when I go, I'm headed to eternal life, and so in that, there is peace knowing that my Father God has everything ready for me in heaven. Many people just want the peace in this life, and they're both available, but this piece says, even if everything is wrong here, it's going to be right over there. That no matter what I have to face here, it's going to be okay. It's a profound piece because it's a permanent solution for what was once a permanent issue of sin in your life. It's not a fleeting feeling you have. It's a fact of the, of the word of God that if you've accepted him, eternal life is yours. Living with this assurance gives you peace that if all hell breaks loose and every part of your life is in pieces, that every trial and turmoil that comes your way and tribulation, that eternity with God is waiting. And so is why Paul, the great apostle, writes in Romans 8.18 that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If I could sum everything I just told you, it would be in these next few words, which is, it ain't that serious. Nothing you face. Eternal life, car broke down. That ain't that serious. Does it make it any less hard currently? No. But knowing that in heaven I probably won't need my car gives me peace that one day, I don't have to worry about this car note. 
there's always a different side to look at. House burns down, Jesus built me a mansion in heaven, not a big deal. Think about it. All my friends turning their back on me, Jesus is always with me. Ah, you know what? Not that serious. All you drama people are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kidding. But when you weigh eternity with the things you're currently going through, I promise you, you will see that it's not that serious. But if you have all of your hope in the now and not in the what is to come, you'll waste your time full of anxiety, full of depression. Jesus gives me peace so that I can live in that peace because in that peace is relationship with God and in that peace is the Holy Spirit ever present in me, working me through every single, single situation that I may face. Every problem that I have, he is, somebody say, with me. He's with me. Do you believe it? Are you bold enough to believe he's with me? He's here presently in my heart. He's with me. You see, the issue is, is that in the Old Testament, the prophets would proclaim peace when there was really no peace. Jesus would be really upset if he was there back then. The old prophets, God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 6.13. And listen to what it says. For from the least to the greatest of them, talking about the prophets, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Pastor, what does that mean? That they would say, it's all good, when it wasn't all good. I love the imagery that they, they bandaged the wound lightly. One version says they dressed it, they dressed the wounds of my people as if they were not serious. In other words, God would bring judgment on Israel for their life of sin and for their idolatry and serving false gods and for their lack of attention to God himself. And then the prophets would come in and say, well, God's not really mad at you. He, he loves us, so that can't be God. When God's like, no, a good father disciplines his children. And they would say, no, peace, peace is here, peace is with you. And God's telling Jeremiah, no, there is no peace. This is judgment. You following me? They would offer a fake peace for real problems. They would say, you don't have to repent. Our gods are good to us. No, you should probably repent. You don't got to turn your life. He loves you just as you are. Well, the Bible talks about walking away from sinfulness. Well, you don't have to do, and, 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 and the Bible is clear that God was so upset that they gave them a fake sense of peace. And what I don't want to give you is a fake sense of peace that everything's going to be all right and all your problems are going to disappear because that's not what it is. If God's going to rip some things out your life, let him do it. The prophets would declare, oh my God, we're going to have peace. Jesus says the way I give you peace, nobody else can give you peace because I won't bandage the wounds lightly. I will completely take the wound for you of sin. How do we get that peace? Isaiah 53, 5 is really clear. It's one of the verses I learned growing up as a young boy in Lutheran school. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement, meaning punishment, that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. In other words, what it's saying is that it was the punishment that was laid on Jesus that got me peace. This is not a cheap peace. He paid the price for peace. And so only he, Jesus, because this scripture in Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about Jesus, the servant of God, that he gives us, somebody say, peace. But the peace comes through the brokenness of Jesus. And so then because he paid the price for the peace, only he can dispense it. You got to follow me here. Only he can give it. It's his peace. Present in your life. The Message Bible says it like this, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment that we would be made whole. And through his bruises, we get healed. Because that's what God wants. Peace wants to bring a holistic life to you, to live whole, to be at peace with God. When Jesus said he would give his peace to his disciples, much more was involved than just a simple greeting. He bestowed to them a peace of mind in the midst of coming trials and persecutions. A peace that they would experience through the coming of the Holy Spirit and dwelling into their hearts and minds. And the fruit of the Spirit as spoken of in Galatians 5, 22. On these grounds, Jesus could say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Here's point number two. Because Jesus gives a real peace for real problems. Jesus gives a, he offers you a real peace for a real problem. You've got a real issue, a real problem in your life. Maybe you've accepted Christ and your real issue is not sinfulness. Maybe your real issue is trial and tribulation. Maybe right now you're enduring a storm. Maybe right now you're enduring a hard time and you're like, God, why am I enduring this? And he, he's like, I've given you peace for this. He gives us real peace for real problems. Anybody got real problems? But there's always somebody else who seems to have realer problems than us. A couple years ago, I had the privilege of being able to go to Africa. I went to Rwanda, and they got real problems. Like sometimes, you know, we worry about the toilet seat up or down. They don't even got toilets. Different kind of world. Over there, they're worrying about how many miles they have to walk for water, and you're worried about somebody finding the remote like the TV ain't five feet away. First world problems. And there's always somebody who has a greater storm than you. And that's not to minimize your current storm, but it is to maximize your perspective on how good God is in your life. To be able to say, you know what, somebody does have it worse. I used to hate when I called some of my pastor friends. I tell you all the time, they would say, Burgers, you have good problems. What does that even mean? Like, I would take your problems. You're worried about how many people are in your church. I'm worried about why nobody's in my church. Well, that's a good point. I'll take your problems. Because Jesus gives and offers us peace for real problems. In the Old Testament, they would give this fake sense of security and peace. But we got real issues. A lot of people today, they give a fake peace for fake problems. And they give fake peace for real problems. You see, there's, there's, there's oftentimes that we go to the world and we get, we get the world solutions for spiritual situations. And, and you're trying to medicate yourself 
And I'm not against medication, but you're trying to medicate yourself when it's really a spiritual thing going on. You're being tormented by spirits. You're being tormented by the enemy. And, and there's no pill for Satan. Understand that there's no pill for that. There's no prescription for the works of the enemy against your life except Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm, he's telling, understand the scenario here. He's telling his guys that everything's about to fall apart. Everything. Dude, I'm, I'm going to die. You're going to betray me. One of you is a devil. I'm going away. You can't follow me. They're all depressed. And he gives them, but don't worry. I'm going to give you, somebody say peace. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophets were angry. God was angry because the prophets were lying to people. And in the end, they never faced their issue. But Jesus and his peace gives you time to face your issue. He wanted the disciples to know what was going on. He was so upfront with the disciples. I thank God that he's up front. He told the disciples, you are going to face all types of issues. You are going to face all types of problems. But don't worry, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave you some peace. There's nothing worse than having fake peace for real issues. Well, pastor, what do you mean by fake peace? Fake peace might be that when you are so stressed out because of something troubling your life that instead of really going to God, you'd rather just sit on the couch and watch a whole series in a day. And it distracts you, but it doesn't heal you. I wish you would be honest today. And I know this because I've done it. I'm not preaching to you something that I haven't done myself. You, you, you have a, a pressing matter in the back of your head, but you'd rather avoid seeing the people you have to see in order to take care of the problem you rather just, you know, avoid them when you see them and oh, I have peace because, you know, as long as I don't see them, I'm good. That's not real peace. That's fake peace for a real problem because God told you to love people beyond their flaws, past their hurts. He told you to be at peace with every person as often as you could. See, sometimes we want the fake peace on purpose because the real peace causes too much conflict. Isn't that funny that peace can cause conflict? In order to get there, you have to confront some things. Peace. Some of us want peace without the battle. In the Old Testament, they would say, you know, you're going to be up. That's why a lot of people love certain types of preachers who never preach about changing their lives. Never preach about sinfulness. If you just send me $20 in the mail, I will send you this towel that I wiped my forehead with during a camp meeting. Man, if I have that, I have peace. I wipe my whole house down with that anointed rag. I'll have peace everywhere. Let's be honest of the stuff that we will give into in order to not really find the real peace that God desires of us. Because real peace is real change in our lives. But what's interesting is that Jesus ends it by telling his disciples that don't let your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And it's not the first time that Jesus said that. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that in the first portion of this chapter in John chapter 14, verse 1. 
He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he gives a way to do that. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then down in verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Isn't that just like God to tell you all the bad stuff you're facing and then just be like, but don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. The disciples were about to face the absolute worst time of their lives. And Jesus tells them that whether or not their hearts are troubled is up to them. I'll close with this idea that whether your heart is troubled or not is up to you, which means that you control the way peace operates in your life. You control the way peace operates in your life. You control it. You control the way peace operates. He said, if you trust in me and you believe in me, you're going to have peace. And your heart won't have to be somebody to say troubled. There's sometimes in life where, where you want to trust God, but sometimes trust can't explain away what you're feeling. You see, I can trust God, but God, I still don't understand why I'm enduring what I'm enduring. But I believe you. God, I trust you, but why did they have to die? God, I trust you, I believe in you, but why do I have to face all this temptation? But I trust you. Sometimes trust can't explain what you're going through. Sometimes just saying, I trust God and standing on his word, you decide whether your heart will be troubled or not. But not in every season of your life will trust explain your pain. I have a little, a couple of things I want to do. Could you come here? Play some spiritual music. We need some spiritual music. I got, I need some volunteers, preferably somebody without facial hair. Elias, you come here. Could you move this, Daniel? Could you just, I don't even need that. I, I want to just, I want to walk through what it looks like when trouble comes, but there's trust and peace operating in the same place. I need, I need two volunteers. Can somebody, I need somebody older. Jamie, you ain't got no facial hair. Come on. Could you put your hands together for Jamie Valentin? The guy who could not grow a beard if we paid him. I need, I need one more person. So one more. Who's that over there? How old are you? I need an older person. I need an old. I'm so sorry, kids. I just want to make sure I have an older. Albert, would you put your hands together for Albert Vega in the house? Praise God. I, you're going to stand in the middle with Elias. Daniel, I want you just to stand right here. I want you to stand right there. Jamie, you're going to stand over there, right? And you're going to take, you're going to make a little knot of this, right? You're going to, and you're going to tie it around the Leas' waist, all right? You're just going to stand there. You're going to have one, actually, you're going to have a different job. Matter of fact, I need that back. I lied. Give me that. Come on, give me that. Because you just take, I want you to tie this rope around him and then run it back to you, okay? Just tie it and then walk over here with the rope. Because, yeah, yeah, just tie it around his little skinny man baby gap waist, because, okay, and 
this is, I need you. Somebody say, hi, Jamie. Your baby face. Your only job is going to be to be the accuser. All right? You're like, you're regret. Right? We can't understand why things happen. And you're like the doubting, like the, the, you're the voice in our head. Everybody has this voice. You should name this voice so you can rebuke it. Because whatever you name, you have authority over. And you could just, we'll just call it Timmy. And your whole job, he can't even tie a knot. He missed Boy Scout school. Your whole job is going to be just to like tell him he's terrible and he's no good. Right? Got it? Yeah. Can we practice? You're terrible. You're no good. I don't believe that. Like we need to like ramp it up a little bit. Like take it to like a six. Elias, you're terrible. You're no good. You suck. That's, th that's, that's a lot better. But I think like we need some hand gestures. Like we need to like use your hands a little bit. Like get into it. Elias, you suck. You're terrible. You're no good. You're a failure. You're going to lose in everything you do. You really suck. Better? He holds the mic like a rapper. Like just go back over there. Mac Brock over there, right? He just this, this, this represents. This is represents like. I hope this works. Yeah, it'll work. This represents like past sins and temptations. Always trying to. I wish I had an honest church. When the bottle calls you and you're trying to stay sober, uh huh. And, and you're just like, it's always trying to pull you, right? You're gonna stay over there. You're gonna fight it. You're gonna fight it, right? And then you get the fun part. This is the fiery darts of the enemy. <laughs> like no matter what you do, it's like, see, maybe, maybe your perfect life works that it all happens individually. My life happens all together. Like, you know, you need this. You know, like, 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 like you made mistakes in the past. And then like, like I'm going to need all these are my kids. I can't lose these guys. <laughs> my wife said, yes, I can. <laughs> These are under all of my couches. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. And, and these, these just like stand for all types of stuff. And then this is often like our lives without peace. Could you, guys, could you just tell him how bad he is and just don't stop? You can go, Daniel. You can go. And it's just like all the time we have to like dodge. Come on, go, go, go. We gotta, you, you yank this kid. We got to like fight all these simple things and like sometimes they're big things. And it's like the accuser always telling you how bad you are. Come on, his big brother is loving throwing stuff at him. And, and this, this is just like, he hit you in the head. Because the devil goes for headshots, son. Like, it's what it is. Oh, he said God don't want you. He's getting deep. Come on, Tommy's too short. Like, tell him. Oh, he's short. And so, okay. Oh, the, he said, come back to me. He's playing the role of the devil really good. So hold on. Check this out. I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes mentally, although it looks amusing, this is how we are mentally. Are you with me? But Jesus said, peace I leave with you. But he said this before he mentioned all the problems they would endure. So here's what I believe the peace of God will offer and do. Hold on one second. Yeah, I got you. Hold on, hold on. Stop. 
Get away here, Satan. I'm peace. The first thing he does is he silences the accuser. You can't have that. He silences the accuser, right? The next thing he does, oh, can I just? He takes away the ability for the enemy to keep on throwing darts at you. Then I'm going to cut you. The next thing he does is you got to understand, he will cut. Hold this for me, devil. Really simple. He cuts. Now, understand what I'm doing here. He cuts. He cuts the past from your life so that you don't got to remember it no more. But notice what peace did not do. Notice what peace did not do. It did not remove the problems. It just removed the power for the problems to control you and to speak over your life. But peace says, I'm going to stand with you. Paul said in Philippians 4, 7, that peace stands like a guard over my heart. And the problems are still there. The past is still there. The accuser is still there. He's been silenced. He's been arrested. He's he's been He can no longer affect you. But notice, he said, let not your heart. You've got to allow peace to do the work of God in your life so that peace will bind the hands of the enemy. It'll cut the past off your life. That is no longer you. You don't have to go back to that drunkenness. You don't got to go back to that relationship. You don't have to be that person. over your life it doesn't move the accuser it silences the accuser it doesn't tell you that you don't have a past it removes the power of the past to pull you back and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you'll never face fiery darts it just means it just means that he that he, God, will like a guard standing over your heart, will not allow the darts of the enemy to come near you. The Bible said in the Old Testament, though a thousand may fall at my left and 10,000 fall at my right, nothing will come near my dwelling in my household. So Jesus tells his disciples, you're gonna go through hell. He didn't remove hell from their lives, He gave them a water gun called peace to put the fires of hell out. He didn't remove the problem. He prepared them for it. And you got to understand that God is trying to prepare your heart to endure some things. And the fact that you're enduring hardship is not proof that God is not with you. It is proof that he's preparing you in a process and you have peace with you. If you would let God work in you, if you would allow God to do the work he desires, you would understand. 
understand that your heart does not got to be troubled. You do not have to be afraid because you're trusting in God. Here's point number three. I didn't give you point number three. Peace restrains what trust can't explain. Peace restrains what trust cannot explain. I, because I trusted God, I found myself in the deepest hole, in a mess, and I could not understand why. I couldn't understand it. But peace says, don't worry, there's going to be a plan. God got you covered. Don't worry, it's going to be all right. Don't worry, there's a purpose in the pain. There's a reason. If I could share something real personal, I had a moment this week. My sister put something up on Facebook that really wrecked my heart in a good way about the goodness and graciousness of God my sister lives in, in Virginia and I don't get to see her as much as I would like she's um, an amazing individual and about five six months ago my niece who's about I think she's 12 don't quote me on that 12 years old her father 36 years old passed away my wife's ex, uh, my wife's, my sister's ex-husband. And me and him had been really close to what our life and my time knowing him. And it was a really hard part of the year for me. We didn't tell many people, but it was a really hard time. More so on my, on my 12-year-old niece. And the other day, my sister posted on Facebook and she said these words. I never thought I'd be grateful for the experience I have with my father passing away. But now looking at my daughter and being able to tell her that there's hope after this and that there's peace after this, now she understands that if God let her go through that just because God foresaw and foreknew what her daughter would endure, my God, learning and understanding to be able to find peace in every area of your life to be able to say nine years ago it made no sense to our family nine years fast forward it's well worth it if it helps my niece out to understand that even when dad dies unexpectedly there's still peace in God there's still strength in the cross there's still hope in life there's still joy to be found the morning will still come the sun will still rise you can still have a great life because peace restrains where trust can't explain because in the pain you're saying God all I can do is trust you and there's no explanation right now maybe for some of the things you're enduring maybe you've endured some hardships some tough times that you cannot explain but in it you trusted God in it you said God I'm with you God I'll follow you God I won't leave your side God I am staying still I'm working the will of God I'm standing strong I'm not going to fall years from now there will come a point It'll all make sense. You'll find that moment. But in the meantime, allow peace to restrain the lies of the enemy. Allow peace to restrain the temptation to fall back into your past life. It's called the past for a reason. You have to, you have to allow peace to restrain the darts of the enemy. Allow peace to come alongside you like Paul said and to guard your heart. Like Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid because you believe in me. You believe in my Father. My peace I give you. My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives do I give you peace. I give you a different kind of peace. Peace that brings reconciliation with God and also peace that stands in your heart because you trust the Lord.
because you trust him. Come on, if you're not already, would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray this early afternoon. Maybe there's some of you here and you just need to say, God, I want your peace to do its work in my heart. I want your peace to do its work in me. I want your peace, God, to be able to operate in me in great power. I want your peace, oh Lord, to work in me. Come on, does anybody here have some things, some voices in your life you need silenced by the peace of God? Some situations in your heart you need silenced by the peace of God. Come on, you got some darts of the enemy coming against you, one thing after the other. You can't seem to get a break. It's always something. Peace is escaping you. There's troubles in your home, trouble in the marriage, trouble in every area of your life. But you need and you want God's immense peace. If that's you, come on, we're lifting our hands today. No shame today. We want peace. God, you see our hands are lifted, God. We've learned to trust you, God, but now we want to learn to let your peace do its will and have its way in our hearts and in our minds, God, that you would move, that you would have your way, that peace would begin to enter. It would stand guard over our hearts and our minds. For the Bible says that those who keep their eyes on you, you keep them in perfect peace, oh God. Speaking to every life, God, every situation among us, God, every hand that is raised, that you would touch them right now, oh God. That peace would reign in their hearts, that we would allow it, God, by not worrying, by not being anxious, but by trusting you, God. Trusting and believing, God. And because we trust you, because we believe you, we have, somebody shout, peace. Come on, everything can fall apart, but my God is still able to hold me together. I got peace in this place today. Would you begin to praise Him right now with your mouth? Would you begin to lift up a praise? Begin to shout it out right now in Jesus' name. Come on, lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. We want to thank you again for listening to our podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. If you would like to share how God may have blessed you through this message, please feel free to share your testimony on our Facebook page at Citywide Church. And while you're there, like our page for daily updates. You can also follow us on Instagram at Citywide Church. Just a reminder, if you would like more information about this ministry or how to support us financially, please visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. We hope you tune in next week to our podcast. Thank you again. Be encouraged. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.